The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Shavuotov, Boketov, how are you? Boketov, Shavuotov, yeah, we're obviously into the final uh, straight now towards Rosh Hashanah, only uh, two more weeks to go, and of course from next week on, the Ashkenazi uh, mm. people will be starting early morning for Slichot. Let's not forget um, that our Sephardi brothers have already been doing their Slichot for the last uh, couple of weeks, so they're already well into things. Um, but I wanted to start the week with a kind of uh, a strange story, and this involves a, a terrorist who has been um, sentenced to two life sentences for the murder of an 18-year-old in Jerusalem back in 2006. And then he was one of those who was in Gilboa prison when there was that breakout, and he was one of those who escaped from Gilboa prison, and that was back in 2021. And since then, he has been held in a different prison, a separate prison, um, after he escaped. He's now in Shikma prison. But the story about um, Ayman Naif Kamamanji, um, who is the terrorist involved, is that he has petitioned the Israeli prison service saying that they are treating him unfairly because in his new prison, in Shikma prison, he has been denied the right to use his Sony PlayStation 2 games console in his cell. And he feels that that is unreasonable. Um, and wow. he claims okay. that... Um, he claimed that um, he uh, this is uh, not a good thing and that not he should right. be entitled to use his PlayStation while in his cell in Shikma prison. Now, the, the prison service responds saying that um, the request, the original request was denied and the prisoner has now filed a petition, which has not yet been scheduled for hearing, but it, we will bring our full arguments to the court as is customary. And then they went on to say that the leisure rights of prisoners and segregation are examined and given in each case on a, uh, in each case on a case by case basis in accordance with the prisoner's behavior. Now the prisoner himself has said that he has been judged for his actions and he has been punished. But in his words, I do not commit crimes and I respect the law and the administration. And he feels that he should have the right to use his Sony PlayStation in his present cell. What oh, do you think? Oh, my word. Well, he should spend half an hour um, in a South African jail prison, which is actually pretty much all people spend, if you ask Jacob Zuma. But that's a whole different subject. Wow. That, I mean, how do you take this seriously? How is this meant to be taken seriously, a Sony PlayStation? Um, well, all I can say is that it seems like not a bad advert for Sony. Absolutely, or for Israeli prisons, for that matter. If that's what you, if that's what you are feeling that you're missing. Anyway, this story is is so perplexing to me. I, I actually couldn't. I, I can't quite figure it out. I don't really understand it properly. And I was actually quite looking forward to chatting to you just to, to get some of the, the background here. Riots have taken place in Tel Aviv over the weekend. And that was after Eritreans living in Israel protested against an event being held at the Eritrean embassy. So when I first saw the story, I thought they were part of the whole judicial reform thing, and uh, because it's, everything's happening in Tel Aviv over the weekend, it turns out I was wrong. Just, just help me out here. So, yeah, if you're talking about the judicial reform again, protests in Tel Aviv, demonstrations, hundreds, thousands of people turning out in Tel Aviv, and 
that particular event with more than 100,000 people in Kaplan Street, as has been the case for the last 35 weeks, turned out peacefully, right? 100,000 Israelis turned out at a demonstration. Nobody injured, no incidents. Everybody kind of go home afterwards. And then we have a group of Eritreans, a relatively small group by comparison of Eritreans who came out to protest against this event at their embassy, um, but except the fact that they don't necessarily support the embassy and the administration. So let's just take a little bit of a background look at Eritreans in Israel. So um, at one stage, there were something like 50,000 Eritreans who had come to Israel seeking asylum. Um, clearly, um, what's going on in Eritrea is um, is not a great situation. There is a lot of violence. There's a lot of war going on, um, conflict within the administration, by the administration against others. Um, and um, this is really dated back um, since really their independence back in 1991. Um, but um, many Eritreans arrived in Israel in the period between 2006 and 2011. Most of them men, something like 80% of the Eritreans who came to Israel, who have come to Israel, have been men. Um, and as I said, one stage, about 50,000 people in Israel. Today, we estimate about 17,000 Eritreans in Israel seeking asylum, living here illegally, um, whatever their current status is, all a highly complex situation. Um, and in fact, it's been interesting that quite a number of them have been leaving Israel over the last period of time. The estimates are that something like 2,000 Eritreans have left Israel of their own accord over the last year or so, and currently between three and 500 a month leaving Israel willingly to join families in, the, in Canada, the U.S., and several other countries where they are being given asylum to get away from the conflict in Eritrea. The issue is that those um, Eritreans in the most part who live in Israel are opposed to the Eritrean regime. And so when it became known that this event was going to be held, had been actually approved by the Israeli authorities, a so-called cultural event to uh, raise some funds for the Eritrean uh, regime, uh, some sort of a festival, and then the Eritrean asylum seekers in Israel turned out en masse in Tel Aviv at the Eritrean embassy in order to protest against that event. Now, the Eritrean embassy in Israel is functional. It has been around since 2004. We do not have an Eritrean ambassador in Israel right now, and indeed we don't have an Israeli ambassador in Eritrea as well. We'll talk about that separately in a moment. Uh, But there's no ambassador in Israel. There is a functioning embassy under some sort of a local custodian, um, and the Eritreans turned out en masse to protest against this event in Tel Aviv. And it turns out that they really came ready for violence. They were extremely violent against one another because there were apparently conflicting groups within the a group of Eritreans who were demonstrating outside the embassy. Some were supporting the uh, regime, it seems, and some others were not. They were extremely violent towards one another. They were extremely violent towards Israeli police when the police eventually turned up in order to try and police the situation. There were reports of some quite serious injuries being incurred, not only by the Eritreans themselves, something like 135 of them were hospitalized with uh, various injuries as a result of um, what went down. 
and there were also some policemen, Israeli police, who were quite severely injured. There was one report that I read that said that one policeman was so severely injured because he had bits of a camping stove in his head. That was the report that I read, which is really serious. Um, now, um, the even those um, charity groups that have been involved with trying to help the Eritrean community, to give them shelter, to give them food, to give them some sort of living conditions while they live here in Israel. Even those charity groups have come out saying that this is really not okay and that the Eritreans, even though they might have this strong view, anti-view against their regime back in Eritrea, and they might be opposed to what the Eritrean embassy is up to over here, but we are a host country. Israel is a host country for them. And this is not the way that you would expect people to behave in a host country. Um, no matter what your views are, no matter what the situation is, no matter what your feelings are about your regime and how they're behaving there, this is not a way to behave. And in fact, the prime minister made a statement um, late on Saturday, Saturday saying that he feels that any Eritrean who has been involved in violence in those protests in Tel Aviv should be deported. We can't tolerate having that level of violence mm, mm. and that kind of behavior here in Israel. Um, Israel's relationship with Eritrea has been very, very interesting indeed. Um, and one of the little things that has been suggested is that Eritrea is a really critical and strategically important location for Israel because there are some foreign nations, some foreign sources that have said that Israel actually maintains intelligence bases and Navy submarines in and around Eritrea, obviously because of the strategic location at the, uh, at the mouth of the Red Sea, at the, at the beginning point of the Red Sea, leading up towards the Suez Canal, that it is so strategically important that Israel has maintained some presence there. Clearly, I can't verify whether that's true or not, um, but it does lend some sort of an interesting um, ob uh, angle to Israel's somewhat ambivalent uh, relationship with Eritrea. There is no Israeli ambassador in Eritrea at the moment. The Israeli embassy in Eritrea in Asmara has been deserted since 2020, um, and yet it seems that Eritrea is strategically important near to Ethiopia, across the coast from Saudi Arabia, along the Red Sea. So uh, a, a strategically important location. But clearly, Israelis are not uh, have no patience for the type of behavior that we saw by the Eritreans over the weekend. Mm. Mm. Crazy story. Like it, it, it just makes no sense in the sense that, well, as Carol says, more asylum seekers um, you know, leaving Israel of their own accord. It, it, it's just, uh, it, it's just bizarre because you would think that there would be some gratitude, I guess, to a host country, but maybe, maybe one forgets. Uh, either way, crazy and difficult story. Israel's Attorney General has come under fire, under sustained attack from the Minister of Justice. What should be an attack for? Yeah, so again, this is also a crazy story because the Attorney General as far as the kind of hierarchy is concerned, really reports to the Minister of Justice. She is, he is her boss. Um, and currently, um, Israel's Attorney General is Gali Baharav Miara. She was appointed not by the current government, but indeed by the previous government, the government of uh, Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett. Um, and she has come under a lot of attack and come into a lot of conflict with 
Israel's new, relatively new, under the Netanyahu government, uh, Minister of Justice Yariv Levine, who is a controversial figure in himself. And she, um, the reason why they don't agree with each other is because she's effectively taking a relatively anti-government line on most of the actions that the current government is following, particularly where the judicial reform is concerned, because she is very much anti the judicial reform. And uh, it's interesting that Yariv Levine, even though he is her boss as the Minister mm. of Justice, feels that he can't fire her right now. He said in his words, firing her would be very problematic and was not yet on the agenda. But clearly they don't agree with each other. And the latest showdown came yesterday when uh, Gali Baharav Miara uh, came out, uh, called upon the High Court of Justice to actually strike down the government law that limits the judicial review, the so-called reasonableness law. She's come out publicly saying that the High Court should intervene on this matter and should strike down that law because she feels that it in itself is not reasonable. And and what she said, uh, which I think is very very interesting and might just give some sort of a um, um, uh, some sort of an aspect to it from those people who still don't quite understand what this reasonableness law is all about. She said that. Um, uh, she feels that the, uh, the 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 reasonableness law that has been um, enacted by the government um, is a, a, a situation that is um, against the public good. And she said that the amendment locks the gates of the court to every person and group who might be harmed should the government or one of its ministers act towards them in an extremely unreasonable manner. And then she went on to say that the public is therefore being denied an important means for defending itself from arbitrary exercise of power by the government that is not for the public good. And as a result of that position, which she formally submitted to the High Court, she does not feel that she's able to represent the government when that case comes up in the court next week on Tuesday. And she has given Yariv Levine, the Minister of Justice, official notice that he is entitled to hire external counsel, not the Attorney General's office, in order to defend the government in the court case that is due to take place next week. Now, it is generally accepted that the Attorney General's office is the legal uh, defender of the government. Mm, that mm. is the, the legal office for the government. And here she's taken the view that she can't defend the government and that she's given um, the Minister of Justice the right to take on his own lawyers from outside of the government in order to defend himself in court because she doesn't feel qualified to be able to do so. Having said that, she said that she will not defend the government, but that she would be willing to present the government's point of view, even though she doesn't agree with it and even though she doesn't feel she can defend it. But she did offer to present the government's point of view to the court in the event that that would be accepted by um, the Minister of Justice and the members of government, which I think is an interesting kind of yes. um, mm. compromise mm. solution, which is not really a compromise, because when, you're, when you send your lawyers to court, you really want them to believe in the case that's being presented Absolutely. rather than just present it sort of in a benign fashion.
Um, but she's also come into conflict with the Minister of Justice because she's saying that his refusal to constitute the Judicial Appointment Committee is also not reasonable. And he says that he will uh, uh, convene the Judicial Appointment Committee when he feels that it is made up of appropriate people. So he's still very much opposed to the current constitution of the Judicial Reform Committee. So she's also opposing him and saying that... Uh, taking this action through court in order to try and force him to convene the mm, Judicial mm. Appointments Committee. So lots and lots of conflict within the Ministry of Justice between the Minister of Justice himself and the Attorney General. I just wonder what um, the listeners out there think about this, because this is a classic case of, do you just toe the line of whoever has employed you and just go with whatever their view is because they are your bosses, or... Do you stick with your conscience and stick with your point of view if you believe that is something something is contrary to what is being done by the bosses above you? Are you willing to stand up and make clear what your view is? It's an interesting discussion to hold. It really is, and I'd love your thoughts. Three four five one nine or oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine. Carol says treason or billing hours. Yeah, an interesting question indeed. It is eight o'clock. I'm Howard Feldman. That was Anthony Rauch with the Israel Report. We'll catch Anthony tomorrow morning at seven forty five.